G'day everyone, welcome to the third installment of the Mongrel Punt podcast. We've got a few things to get through today. We're going to be running down the new Bet Easy deal with the AFL, which has reaped them somewhere in the vicinity of $40 million over five years. I wouldn't mind that in the pocket. Um, a few of the injuries that are cropping up at the moment. GWS looking to move to LA for a game, which will be interesting and seems absolutely absurd. But, you know, if you don't think big, you lose. Is that a saying? <laughs> it's now. It is now. All right. There's a few things I'm looking forward to in the 2020 season we want to touch on. And finally, we'll have a look at the AFL, AFLW fixturing issues and what the problem is there with the AFL clashing with it over and over and over again. I was going to say over and over and over and over because it's been four seasons, but that's called overkill. Oh my God. <laughs> Mrs. Mungrel joins us as always, ready to chime in with her pearls of wisdom. There's a few right there. And we'll start with the, the bet easy deal in the AFL. It's good to know that the AFL has really you know, put their foot down on, on gambling and they don't want to be involved in that industry anymore unless they're going to give them copious amounts of cash to have their graphics as part of every AFL stats package on TV. I mean, I'll know what the line is, how to place a multi. All that important information is going to be part of the, the AFL stats in every single game. I'm going to put it out there that if Big Tobacco offered the AFL a certain amount of money, they'd say yes. Everybody has their price, and the AFL has a slightly lower one than most, so... I want Sexy Land to get involved. I want it to be the Sexy Land Cup, and it's before the seasons. It's like the Marsh Cup that's coming up. Sexy Land gets involved, and we have the Sexy Land Cup. The AFL, all you got to do is throw money at them, and they'll say, fine, no problem. That's the best idea, I love it. Do you? Yeah. Do you want to go shopping there? (laughs) They've got some good stuff. There's some games... I'll tell you a story about that later. This is non-podcast appropriate. (laughs) Righto. I love the stance of the Western Bulldogs' former captain, Easton Wood, who came out last year and said he'd take a pay cut to reduce the amount of gambling involvement in the game. I mean, that's great, and I wish there were a few more players that would take that stance. But I wonder also, in fairness, there's a bunch of kids coming into the league. I wonder whether they'd take a pay cut. They're not earning the same amount of coin as Easton Wood. Would you? You just signed your first deal. Let's say it's, let's say it's a hundred grand a year. Would you take eighty-five? Yes, you I would? would, without a doubt. See, I would not. See, I absolutely would. I wouldn't mind losing fifteen grand when I was making three fifty, but when I'm first year in, you're looking to establish yourself. You don't know how long you're going to be in the game for, which is a big issue. You know, not yeah, everyone but it's is a greater good kind of thing. It really is, and I guess when I was. 18, 19, 20. I wouldn't have made the same decision, but there you go. There I go. I did a bit of research about this and... um, One of us did. Apparently, according to the ABC, they had an article a couple of years ago saying that Australians bet almost $11,000 per person. I'd kill that. that Australians bet more than any other nation. There's the old saying, we'd bet on two flies racing up a wall. Oh my gosh, that's actually really... I've never picked a winner in that. The the other aspect here is that fans have been up in arms for a little while about clubs capitalising on poker machines and having poker machines in their venues. And clubs seem to be doing the right thing. And they're selling off their businesses and they're selling off their involvement in pokies. They're no longer... I think Hawthorne still has pokies. In Tassie. Or wherever they want, really. Mm. They've got venues and they've got poking machines in them 
And I'm, I'm wondering, why would they give them up when the governing body is so happy to have their hand out and take money from gambling, yet the clubs themselves are supposed to be the the bastions of goodwill and the bastions of because fair play? they're trying to demonstrate moral leadership, and I am saying that the AFL governing body is... Shit? Neglect- oh, yeah, yeah shit. they are. They're shit. There's no other way to put it. Because it's the AFL, disgusting. The AFL will grandstand on issues. Of course they And will. they'll be the, the moral compass wherever they can possibly look like the, the good guys. But to basically you know, take $40 million to promote gambling in the industry... They'll be telling themselves that they've done the right thing. I believe they say by having this sponsorship they can control it. <sighs> You're kidding. I've heard that said... That they, they can have an actual impact on it. They can control it. It's not just some you know, industry that runs roughshod over everybody and does whatever it likes. They can control the way that it's marketed. They can control how it appears in ads and stuff like that as well. Yeah, so, that that doesn't fly. No. Well, on the Mongrel Punt podcast and on our website, you'll notice no gambling ads. We drew a line in the sand a long time ago. And despite offers, thanks guys... Uh, we've decided not to partake, so I reckon we're better than the AFL, personally. <laughs> doesn't take much these days, No, does not it? really. You know, we could uh, take bribes from Sexyland. <laughs> and Sexyland, hey, we're giving you good press here. If you want to throw a couple of uh, pieces of equipment <laughs> our way. <laughs> and also Mission, the tacos. Oh, Mission Tacos, yeah. Big big fans of Mission Tacos. Yep. Almost swayed Mrs. Mungrel to barrack for the Western Bulldogs I'm on the back close. of Mission Tacos. I haven't decided who I'm I'm going for this year. Okay. Gambling, bad. AFL, bad. Most of the clubs, good. Hawthorne, God, I love you guys, but pretty bad. Uh, we'll move on to some injuries. Uh, we've got uh, Isaac Heaney, who's 23 years old, Mrs. Mungrel, just... To save you asking. Thank you. I did some research. You're going to have to do this every week. <laughs> yeah, 23 years old. He's got a thumb injury. Um, I'm not really sure how that's going to impact him. I don't think it's going to impact too much. He's going to be able to do all the running. He's going to be able to... Yeah, he's going to... Thanks for wiggling your thumb at me. This is not a visual medium. <laughs> he's going to be able to do all the running. He's going to stay fit. By the time round one comes around, he's definite chance to play. It's a thumb injury. Get over it, Isaac. Max Gorn. Uh, injured his knee, but apparently not too seriously, which is great news because I don't know what Melbourne would do without him. You have a bit of a thought on Max Gorn and why he got better so rapidly, I believe. How old is he? Oh, sorry, Max Gorn's 28. Oh, 28. Yeah, well, you know, Daisy Pierce has just come back and she's the captain of the Demons women's team, I believe. She's And uh, mm-hmm. she's just come back after giving birth to twins. So I'm betting that Max Gorn went down and then got back up and went... Oh, oh, I can't complain about this. Okay, okay, pull it together and just, you know, sucked it up. Well, yeah, well... That's how knee injuries work, right? Yeah, yeah, you you just kind of get up and keep going with a knee injury. I used to think that that was the case. Before I hurt my knee, I'd be going, look at this guy writhing around on the ground. I'd just get up. (laughs) I would just get up. Yeah, you would. You saw what happened when I tore my calf the other week and I didn't just get up. Yep. Just flounced around for a week and a half. And then we've got Jesse Hogan, who's taken a break with some mental health issues. I believe that on the ABC they reported that he's got some some anxiety, which leads to him making poor decisions with alcohol. And uh, 
geez, over the course of my young life, I reckon I had plenty of anxiety if that's the net result. Constantly <laughs> every, anxious. Every weekend I was so anxious. I was so anxious about getting to the weekend, and then when I got there, I was real, real anxious. Yeah, and then that's I'd, how you're medicating your anxiety. And then I'd wake up. You need a lot of help. Yeah, look, he, he was traded to, to Frio for the 2019 season. They gave up pick six, which Melbourne then untraded to Gold Coast for the Gold Coast co-captain Stephen May. I'm wondering whether, had Stephen May had a really good season, whether this would be scrutinised a little bit more. I don't think Hogan's given him a hell of a lot at the moment. And you've got... Why are you looking at me like that, Jesse Hogan? What? What's? Well, I mean, Jesse Ventura and Hulk Hogan. This guy has a name that is destined for greatness and he just he he needs to get himself on track and then just smash everybody else i don't know what he plays yeah jesse ventura was governor of minnesota right yeah yeah he's done all right for himself over the years now he's a a conspiracy theorist oh you love him yeah he's great jesse the body fantastic commentator Mm. if you get a chance watch um the ultimate warrior versus rick rude from SummerSlam 89 it's a great match (laughs) anyway mental health there's a few players who that have a been uh, suffering some some symptoms, I suppose. Aaron Hall uh, put the cue in the rack last year at North Melbourne, and he seems to be back in training and back in the swing now, which is a really good sign for them. He had something that they they didn't have last year, which is you know that that quality run outside. They had Jared Polek out there, but he took a long time to find his feet as well. And there's Dane Beams, who has he's taken a break as well, and I don't think he's returned to training yet for Collingwood, which. I'm I'm not sure how that bodes for his season. We're now in February, we're six weeks away from the start of the season, and he's not on the on the park at all. So, I'm not really sure if he's going to play this year. And if he does, he's going to have to ease into the season. So, if you know anything about those guys, um, you know, write in, let us know how they're traveling. If you go down to training and you've seen them out there, by all means, let us know because it'd be good to see how they're going. Uh, GWS are eyeing off holding a game for premiership points in Los Angeles in the near future. And I'm thinking, firstly, it's probably a better idea than the China idea. At the moment, Port Adelaide goes every year to China and holds a game in Shanghai. Yeah, but, and I was thinking about this, because who would come to see an AFL game if they don't really know what it's about? You get expats and people they bring along. What they want, though, what they need is a lot of aggression mm-hmm. and a tiny bit of violence. They need a lot of violence. Okay, a lot of violence. <laughs> and it needs to be a brutal, disgusting display. Amazing This happened display. once before. I'm going to have to show you the video of it, but Carlton and North Melbourne played in the 80s in London, and it was just a bloodbath where the current Hawthorne coach, Alistair Clarkson, king hit a guy from behind and broke his jaw. Sorry, it's called a coward punch these days, but... King hit in those days, broke his jaw. I think the Carlton captain at the time had his head banged into a rubbish bin over the fence. It was full on. And I heard a story how this actually eventuated. Prior to the game, there was a, it was funded by Fosters, I think. Of course it was. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And John Elliott, the Carlton president got up at the pregame dinner. And this was days before and spoke about, oh, if we, if we win, we'll donate the ten grand and put it over the bar. And if North win, they can, they can go and pay their coach. So he's basically belittling the club in front of all the officials and all the players, 
and North, I'm guessing the people running the club were pretty pissed off about it. And so as soon as there was a chance to fly the flag, they did. And it was on for young and old that day. I would be hoping that didn't happen again because I think Toby Green could probably kill someone. Oh my gosh, yes. But I have some thoughts on this which may offer a better solution than playing in Los Angeles because I don't think they have a field that is appropriate over there. They could probably go and play in Texas and play against Collingwood and Mason Cox hails from Texas and actually use that as a a marketing tool. You could play it, you know, is Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, wherever you want. There's big cities all over the place there. And you'd actually have a hometown boy to promote the game against GWS. Now, GWS could have it as a home game. I think their two biggest home crowds have been 21,000 and 19,000, both against the Western Bulldogs and both in finals. If they can match that over there and it gets subsidized, they're going to get a great windfall from this. I think their best non-Sydney versus GWS game has been 15,000 against the West Coast in 2017. That is a great idea, again. I'm having, I'm having great really ideas are. in this podcast lately. But yeah, if you've got a guy from the States, yeah, from Texas, yeah, I mean, you'd have to twist Eddie's arm to get him to agree to play a game over there. Probably, they'd probably want a week off either side of it to make sure. Is Eddie pro-gambling or anti-gambling? I'll ask him when I see him. Yeah, please do. And then yeah. find out how old he is as well. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a good one. I didn't, didn't write that one down. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that the AFL are definitely looking at, you know, an international expansion. They may be better off looking at countries that play cricket. Because when you've got a cricket oval, you've got a ground that's commensurate with an AFL game. What they have in, in the States is the NFL fields, soccer fields, because that's burgeoning over there. Um, they're obviously not going to play on ice hockey courts. <laughs> I don't know. I'd watch that. Yeah, it'd be pretty interesting. Those ice hockey guys don't hold back. And then um, they don't really have the facilities for it. So I'm, I'm not sure whether they have a purpose-built one. They're desperate to get more money, aren't they? Exposure. Exposure, exposure. more money. That's They want a bigger machine. Yeah. Well, at the moment, it's, a, it's almost a 12-month-a-year news cycle. Yeah. And they're propping it up with AFLW, which we'll get to soon. I want to touch on a few things that I want to see in the upcoming season. There's only five. I didn't think we'd we'd bombard you with stuff this time around. But the first one's uh, Ben Brown winning the Coleman. He's been second the last two years. He's the most consistent forward in the game over the past three years with 60-plus goals in each of those years. He was beaten by Revolt in 2018. And Revolt used 10 goals against the Suns late in the season to prop up his tally and take the lead, I believe. Lo and behold, 2019 rolls around. Jeremy Cameron kicks nine against the Suns in the last game, and he wins the Coleman too. So looking at... If, if you get to play Gold Coast over the last couple of years in the last few rounds, you are really got an advantage there. And Ben Brown, I think he kicked three against Gold Coast. They probably needed to really feed him, and I hope they do this year, and he actually gets the nod. But you hope they don't feed him, as well, you say. Well, he's um, a vegan. He's got to only eat... Uh, is he really? Yeah, he is. That's why he looks so weak. Oh, he's likeable. Stop it. Yeah. He is likeable. But you hope they don't feed him to the detriment of the team or... No, well, at the moment... Even, even if they do and they're not in danger of losing, it's a bit of a embarrassing The last couple of years, it? Gold Coast hasn't been anywhere near it. So by halfway through the second quarter, the games have been over at that point of the season. So teams can start structuring to feed their full forward. 
So all offense will start running through that full forward. So Jeremy Cameron last year, he had a picnic after about halftime. They just hit him every time they went forward. And he got so many opportunities to convert that there was a foregone conclusion he was going to pass Ben Brown and, and win it. The second one, Nick Blakey, who is how old? 19. He's 19 years old. He's a baby. I've heard John Longmire and several Sydney supporters have let me know as well state that he may play midfield this year. And I can't help but thinking this is a bit of a waste. You have this kid in... When I watch him play, he looks a little bit like Wayne Carey, the way he runs, the way he moves with the ball and without it. I'm thinking he could be a, a really potent half-forward, maybe even a deep forward if, if Franklin isn't around. And if you're going to run him through the midfield, I, I just think that midfielders are, are much easier to come by than a really good key forward. The next one is Ben Jacobs. Sorry, I'm a bit, bit heavy on North Melbourne content at the moment, but I really want to see Ben Jacobs get back on the park in 2020. He had no games last year at all, suffering, I suppose, the remnants of a concussion the year before. Uh, North said it was compounded by a sinus problem, which you should relate to. That's appalling, the poor fellow. That poor I just fellow. give him a raise and... Blow his nose. Blow his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see him. He, he kind of lost the title of, of best tagger in the league, almost by default, because he wasn't there to defend it. At the moment, it's, it's owned by Matt DeBoer from GWS. Prior to that, it was owned by Mark Hutchings in 2018 from West Coast. There's a couple of other kids coming through, you know, Jack Steele and George Hewitt from St Kilda and Sydney, respectively, who have got their eyes on that title as well. So it'd be wonderful to see Jacobs back out there. North are a better team with him in it. And I think that their win-loss record with him in it actually demonstrates that significantly. Don't ask me what it is. I'll bring it next podcast. But it's a real turnaround when he plays. How old is he? <laughs> He's 28. Oh, damn. You actually yeah, did check. I did. I wrote them all down this time because mm. he caught me off guard about six times last time. <laughs> and people were saying, you know, oh, do your research. Do your research. I researched how old all these guys are. And my one questions or, are pretty... One or two might be wrong. Unpredictable. I'm all right with that. If I just say he's in his 20s, I'm bound to get it right most of the time. We'll take it. Tom Mitchell. You guys know I'm a Hawthorne man. Uh, he's 26. Yeah. I just yeah. got a big smile from the missus here. I'm hoping he's back for round one. He's been... I think he, he had a milestone during the week where Hawthorne are looking pretty optimistic that he's going to be back for round one, which would be a great turnaround for him. There's comparisons with guys who have done this injury in the past. One of them's name was Nathan Brown, who does the betting ads on the thing. You don't like him very much, remember that? I hate that guy. It's, I hate that guy. I hate a lot of the guys on TV, so I'm not actually sure which one you're talking about. Nathan Brown was flying. This is a fair while ago, and he wasn't flying. He was playing well, as in flying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for that. (laughs) He got his leg caught under him in a tackle and snapped it the same way Todd Mitchell did, so tibia, fibia, clean break, and could never get back to the level he played prior to that. The other one was Paul George in the NBA, who went to block a shot during the... I think it was the US Trials, 2015 or 16 for the Olympic team. And his foot hit the the backboard support and his leg completely snapped again. He's managed to get back to the same level that he was back then. And so there's, you know, there's a bit of hope for Tom Mitchell that he's able to do it because Nathan Brown couldn't. Paul George could. Let's see how Tom Mitchell goes. I've got my fingers crossed for him. Mm-hmm. just feel a bit sad for him, really. I mean... I mean, the guy who broke his foot in the backboard or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. He's just got weak bones. But 
Ooh. You've never seen that footage, have you? Of course I haven't. I mean, you've probably showed me, but I don't really look at them when you do. No, show me you kind of get all squeamish when I show you injuries. I just feel you go, sad oh, don't for show them. me that. <laughs> oh, of course. It's yeah. exactly how you I Push sound. me away. Don't show me that. Go away. Leave me alone. The last one I've got is the round five clash between the Tigers and the Eagles. This is the final I wanted last year. I still want it for this year. The last couple of times they've played, I think Richmond went to Perth in 2018 and the Eagles won, running away with it. But the first two quarters were red hot. The Eagles got the jump. The second quarter, the Tigers came back hard. They went in about level at halftime and the game was red hot. Then there was the game last year at the MCG. The Eagles got the jump. They were five goals up. The Tigers clawed their way back because Tigers have claws. It's pretty good. Well done, me. Do you know what a group of Tigers is called? You tell me. I know An ambush of Tigers. I know you're waiting. (laughs) I love it. It's one of the best ones. Better than a a parliament of owls. HB spent probably 30 minutes reading off all the different groups of animals and what they were called. He was very impressed. I'm a slow reader. (laughs) So the MCG game last year, it rained at halftime. And that's to the benefit of Richmond. They, their style, which is pressure, 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 was able to get them over the line against West Coast, whose game is precision. And the wet weather footy doesn't allow that. Looking forward to Dusty versus Yo. It's Friday night footy. It's going to be an absolute belter. Last point we want to touch on today, the AFLW fixture and why the AFL continually fucks it up. They do. They do. This is the, the fourth year running. So we've got it starting on February 7th. Worst, worst. Why would they do that? I think that's this is rude. just a personal slight against you. Yeah, they can get stuffed. That's Mrs. Mungle's birthday. She said I'm anyone so who bad. wants to donate money, she will happily accept it. <laughs> this season <More> runs... Snacks. <laughs> snacks. She's big on snacks. Uh, this season runs for eight weeks and then finals. So really a ten-week season. And the problem here is that they're starting on the 7th of Feb, as we said, which is wrong for many reasons. And it not only ends up running in direct competition with the AFL season proper... It also runs in competition with the AFL preseason and now a bushfire relief game as well. So there's an AFLW game on at 5.40 that day, which is the sort of time that I usually go to the football on a Friday night, 5.40. Yeah, perfect. You know, when I'm still at work for the next 20 minutes. Um, and the game, the bushfire relief game, which is for a great cause and no one's against that, ends up starting at 7-something. So it's a, it's a curtain raiser, I believe. I want to know if the AFL actually want this to succeed. No, they're bored. It was last season's toy. They are bored with it, and they're just shoving it wherever they need to to make I, things work. I'm not sure. Like I'll I'll speak for Melbourne only because it's where I live, and it's where where a lot of the teams are from. Obviously, the average temperature in Melbourne in January is 26 degrees. The average temperature in February in Melbourne is 26 degrees. I don't know why we can't move this season forward even three weeks. So that the AFLW isn't competing with the men's competition for airtime, for newspaper space, for podcast time, and for column time on, on the internet. Does it clash with other sports? Not really. Hmm. The AFL, the VFLW starts during the actual AFL season. So the Victorian Football League women's <laughs> starts during the season itself. So it's the second season a lot of the the female athletes play in I'm, I'm not really sure the, the finals run and clash with round 3 and 4 in the AFL so you know you might get a fair bit of press for the for the grand final you might get diehards who are watching here and there picking up the, the semi-final action 
But if a lot of a lot of football fans want football, if they're forced to choose between AFLW and the men's league, at the moment, 90% are going to shift their attention to the men's league when it's on. And it just leaves the, the women's floundering at a point when they need that support, which is their finals time. I don't, don't understand it at all. I wonder if it's... Um... Then the AFL know they have to shift around everything and rethink the calendar for both men's and women's and they're just not willing to do it because they don't want to take the hit. The and AFL they don't want the grief. In the last couple of years, they've had ridiculous idea after ridiculous idea thrown at them and they've entertained everything. Whether they, they wanted to lengthen the goal square at one point, they changed the rules around the, the ruck, which was actually pretty good. They changed that one back. They removed the hands in the back rule, which was also good, but it was a shit rule to begin with that they put in. They instituted my most hated rule of you're not allowed to tackle someone properly. Oh yeah, you're a big advocate for violence. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why they wouldn't entertain this. It's It seems to be a bit of a no-brainer. The other thing is that one of the teams, I think it's Melbourne, play an annual fixture in Alice Springs. And the, the average temperature in February in Alice Springs is 35. So the chances you're going to get a nice, you know, mild day up in Alice Springs for the girls to run around and have a, have a game is pretty remote. Yet they're happy to do that. It doesn't matter. January, February, that, that sort of fixture doesn't really matter. I just want the competition to actually get some clean air of its own without having to yeah. share it. Because speaking on behalf of, of our website... That's going to be a nightmare. An absolute nightmare. That period, the crossover period... Mm. is just awful and you know call a spade a spade we're gonna the women's competition will get buried on our website once the the men starts even the preseason, which is the sad aspect well how many games can you actually feasibly watch if you give me the time i could no, watch all of them no no <laughs> not a chance well, so the afl's obviously got a bit of work to do there and the aflw CEO, I think she is, Nicole Livingston, who used to swim for Australia. I remember. Yeah, I reckon she needs to actually put her foot down and, and make a bit of a stand. You know, tell people, hey, we want this, we want that from now on. I think she's done a bit of fighting already. Really? I yeah. think she would have. Do you think she looks a bit worn down? Oh, look, she's a CEO, isn't she? Are yeah. they all a bit worn down? Not really. Cold tend in to go the soul, on... yeah. tired. They tend to go on nice holidays. CEOs. Yeah, but you know what? Oh, sorry, business trips. They're called business trips. We're going a to week. America to see if the GWS Giants can play someone in LA. A week or two of happiness for an exchange of, you know, the rest of the year of misery. And a fair wad of cash, I'm guessing, too. Yeah, but... Before we finish, I was walking through the news agency the other day, and I saw a new biography out, and it was Dustin Martin's biography, My Story, So Far. So that's like watching half a movie, really, isn't it? I mean, like, hey, here's, here's Star Wars... Part half. Yeah, oh, episode like 3.5. Every Star Wars movie ever. It's all the same anyway, right? If you've watched the first three, you've watched the last three. Oh, anyway, um, I got to thinking, given you're such an avid reader and such a lover of sports bios, mm. which bios of players, assuming that it was the whole truth and nothing but the truth, no sugar coating, and just hit you in the face with a wet fish kind oh. of truth... Which players' bios would you actually consider picking up and thumbing through? You have a number of AFL biographies. A ridiculous Lots that I haven't amount. read. And I have not looked at any of them at What about all. Peter Knight's? 
No, I don't even know who he is. A knight in muddy armour. Okay, that's... All of a sudden you're interested, insane. aren't you? Insane. But no, I've never picked a single one up. It's not a good book. I would say... And this is this is a whole truth about everything. Yeah, yeah. No holds barred. I'd say Eddie Maguire, which is shocking. Because, you know... I could just picture you reading Eddie that and just... Ugh. Oh, oh. I would groan Every... all the time and I would probably throw the book out the window. No, I don't want this written times. by him. I want it written about, about him. him. Yeah. yeah. So a biography, not an auto. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Which would obviously make it much more salacious. Yeah. Which is up right up my alley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got a theme going on here today. Um, yeah, it would be Eddie because I reckon, I reckon he'd have a lot of skeletons. A lot. I think it would be very, very... It's probably from all the people he's eaten over the years. <laughs> Gosh. Who else you got? Well, you know, I think after reading the Maguire biography, I'd feel very sad and depressed. And so I would probably want to read, who's the guy with the big hair and he cleaned the dressing room? Cotchen. I'd read his because... I'd read like a fairy tale. Yeah, I think it would be really adorable and nice and kind of friendly and a bit bland and... Be a lot of hair care tips in there. be tons. Gil McLaughlin looks like he tries to emulate Trent Cotchen's hairdo and fails. I actually wonder if they're using the same product. And Gil's what? Using it incorrectly? Maybe. Mm. Maybe, Trent, if you're listening, can you please give Gil a call and just let him know how you style your hair? Because Gil really struggles. You know what? Don't. Don't give him that. Hold right, that fine. information hostage. Mm. Trade it off for another great fixture for Richmond. Ouch. Third one? Okay, so the third one would be a short, short one. Um, you know that kid, the nice one that I like, that can't talk and just rapid fire doesn't make sense? I know exactly but who you're talking about. I want it to be an autobiography. Oh, I an want, audiobook? I want him, yes. The Jack better. Higgins audiobook? <gasps> You have to listen to it on super slow motion. The Higgins Wild Ride. The Higgins Wild Ride. Oh, yeah. sounds like something at Sexyland. <laughs> Look, so, so I heard. You, you get in the car and you go. There's one in Airport West. <laughs> i got three players that I would like to read about their lives and see what they've got to offer. One's Don Scott, who is a 70s and early 80s player at Hawthorne. He was captain of a premiership team. Was he Dermot's coach? No, never. Oh, disappointing. But what he did do was basically not talk to arguably the best player of all time for a long period whilst they were teammates. They just didn't really have anything to talk about. I don't think they didn't get along per se, but they just didn't bother talking to each other. Don Scott is a little bit out there. He was like a... thought he, thought he was a bit of a fashionista back in the 70s, would wear like open neck shirts and open neck pants and... You know, all the all the goes with it. <laughs> and um Oh no. Yeah, you know, I think he, he's got a he's got a podcast now with Sam Newman which is relatively entertaining and Don Scott's probably the best thing on it actually. He tells some ripping stories. At the moment he is in line to be inducted into the Hawthorne Hall of Fame as a legend. I don't think there's that many of them. There's only a few that have been legend status. And because he's having a bit of an argy bargy with Jeff Kennett he is refusing it. Kenneth wants him to accept it at some meeting, and Don Scott's saying, no, I want to accept it on my terms at the play- at a player's function. 
And Jeff Kennett's, I think, saying, well, buggy you, I, you can't have so it. So that's why you like him, because you hate Jeff Kennett. I'm not a Jeff Kennett fan no. at all. Closing schools. What a prick. <laughs> the next player I like... I, it's almost blasphemy to, for me to say this is a Hawthorne supporter, but I really like Joel Selwood. Old puppy dog eyes, okay. Joel Selwood. And I'm not sure by the end of his career, given the amount of head injuries he's had, whether he'll be able to write a book. Someone will have to write it for him. But I just want to know what what his thoughts are on the game and, and where where it's been and where it's going. Um, he's very much a head-over-the-ball player. Uh, courageous. Ridiculously so. And I've got a lot of respect for him, so I'd like so to see. So you've gone the same pattern I have. Something a bit kind of wild and unexpected and possibly nasty. And then to your good news story, and what's your third one? The third one's a diet book by Darren Jarman. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Darren Jarman? No, no, it's not. Darren Jarman, uh, incredibly skilled player who started with Hawthorne and moved to Adelaide and was instrumental in their first premierships over there. So he was... I think I was about 17 or so when he joined Hawthorne and just the the skill level he had was incredible. Uh, the way he kicked both sides of the body. I think uh, Jason Dunstall said he used to lick his lips when he saw Darren Jarman with the ball because he knew it was run and the ball's going to hit him right in the chest. So Darren Jarman, just immense skill. I'm not sure if he's a, you know one of the mental giants of the game, but he sure does like eating a lot. So, I was um, wondering where the diet book thing came Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's ballooned. He's a big fella these days. And good on him. I mean, he's put the hard yards in. He can enjoy himself now and, you know, go I through just, the drive through as often as he likes. I just fed you a cheese sauce that I'm surprised didn't kill you. So There's lots of it left and I'm going back for more. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we might leave it there this time. And uh, we hope you join us next week where we'll be talking some more rubbish, obviously. Um, take care, guys. Have a good one. <laughs>